Hey friends, this is an interesting time to be recording a show about taking things one step at a time and accomplishing great feats, grand strategies, big projects. It's a strange time for me at least because I'm having a hard time doing that in my own life. I gotta say, I'm recording this, Stacy's here with me, and it's the end of Thanksgiving break, and it was a really heavy-duty time right before Thanksgiving break. Uh, You know, people are traveling or not. They're thinking about it or not. There was a scare here locally that turned out to not be as bad as we had worried related to COVID testing and and, uh, who was getting positives. There were some false positives, which is negative at first and positive in the end. (laughs) Point being, friends. The, uh, the number of, of things that have occupied our minds as we are trying to do those daily things in life has made us feel like we're a little bit sluggish and slower than we'd like to be. And we know we're not alone. Now, some friends of ours are doing really, really well, getting lots of stuff done during these odd days when we're kind of stuck inside and, and separated from a lot of our friends and coworkers and the people that we collaborate with. But a lot of us, and a lot of my students especially, have been finding it difficult to even know where to begin. At this stage in the semester, I'm getting constant emails from students saying, what do I do to get back on track? How do I connect back to a flow of life that's going to be productive and not make me feel so overwhelmed? That, friends, is what Lao Tzu is going to help us with for this show. This is our lesson in surfing the Tao that helps us to understand that we need to strike like the heron. This is the heron strike. This is getting stuff done. Sometimes easier said than done, but let's see if we can do it. Friends, thanks for being with us. Let's go. All right, Stacy. You know, sometimes what we do is we just beat around the bush and we don't get right to the point. Now, mm-hmm. if this is a a lesson in getting, you know, one thing done at a time, let's not start by meandering. Let's get right to the chapter. What do you say about that? <laughs> that sounds great. Yep. Um, in fact, we are we're going to be discussing chapters sixty three and sixty four. I'm actually going to read sixty four first because I think that. I think that's the sort of the launching point, and then we can go a little deeper in, All right, in with chapter it. 63. So, chapter 64. Peace, when peaceful, is easy to keep. With no superstitions, it's easy to make decisions. Rigid things easily shatter. Little grains easily scatter. Deal with trouble before it arises. De-escalate quarrels before they get out of hand. Massive trees start out as tiny shoots. Skyscrapers start out as vacant dirt lots. A thousand-mile trek begins with a single step. Micromanagers don't manage to manage. Those who are clingy let relationships slip through their fingers. Therefore, the sage doesn't micromanage, and she manages just fine. She isn't clingy, and everyone holds fast to her. People often get cocky at the end of a project and botch things just before they succeed. Stay as attentive at the end as you were at the start and your project won't fail. So the sage stays detached from attachments. She doesn't prize things just because they are rare. She's open-minded, not dogmatic. She notices what men overlook. She helps all the living things by letting them flourish naturally. She's no meddler. This is not um, an insignificant chapter because, no. you know, probably the most quoted line mm-hmm. of the Tao Te Ching. Yeah, so what we say here is a thousand mile trek begins with a single step. A lot of people say, you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, which is a great way to go. So we can't really steal it, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it's a it's a great concept. But... You know, some people, some people that are literally translating this and they want to be very clean with how connected they are to the ancient Chinese would say it, it's got a slightly different translation. 
tell me about that. Yeah. So, you know, it's like the journey of a thousand miles begins beneath the feet is I think what Derek Lynn will say. And it's, so it's the idea beneath the feet that it's either, you know, whatever the ground is that you're on or even just because your feet are going to maybe do the walking or get you there. You know? There it's kind of the geography. Like there's this little space underneath your shoesies and then that space extends out in front of you. That's that mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it matters. I, well, I think I it did, matters to him more than it matters right, to and, me. And I think that for me, what I find so helpful with all of the different, um, you know, images that it gives here is that these things that start out really small, like the, the, these things start off small, yeah. become really big. Throughout the so whole chapter. It doesn't matter. Whether it's the trees, Steps, whether it's the, you know, geography. this big building, whether it's, you know, whatever journey you're on, you know, if if somebody, if basically somebody, you know, said the beginning of your life, well, here's what you're going to do. You know, you're going to, you're going to have this husband, these kids, you're going to end up getting this house and this job. I mean, it could be like, well, where do I even begin with all of this, right? Like, Most of us, <laughs> if we looked back at our biography, would say, I don't have energy for that. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff, right? you know. Right. But obviously, as, a, as time goes by, it's sort of one thing at a time that we start to do and accomplish, you know, with education. You've got to sit in class yeah. and start learning some stuff or, you know, or, you know, start reading books and that kind of thing if you want to, you know, go. But if somebody, you know, shows you the all of the stacks of books that you would read throughout your education, <laughs> I think you'd be maybe like, okay, can I call time out here? Yeah. I'm already overwhelmed just looking at this. How can I possibly, you know, I'll, I'll definitely need glasses after all of these uh, books, but... <laughs> But I think that, um, so things can seem overwhelming. I know for me that really uh, rings true that I often, you know, I have a tendency sometimes to, or if I'm not careful, I can give in to procrastination because I do get overwhelmed thinking of the bigger project. So it is extremely helpful for me to just envision the fact that you, you know, take that one step, you know, read that one book right now, be present with the page that I'm on mm-hmm. and, and where I'm at. Otherwise, if I'm constantly worrying about all of the other things that I need to do, I won't, like, I honestly, I'm not going to get anywhere with the thing that I'm currently working on. Yeah. So that's one thing is just, it begins with something. You have to start somewhere. So even us, <laughs> you know, there, there are times when, you know, we're like, ah, oh, you know what, this is just not a you know, a, g- a good time to record. And, and, so, yeah. and then there are other times we push through it and we're like, okay, we're, we've just, we've got to do this. We're going to, you know, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to go for it. Right. And, and usually that one thing isn't that hard. It's, it is the, the sense that there's so much there. I mean, mm-hmm. it took me 25 minutes just to get logged back onto my dang computer computer again. You know, it's like, I don't know how many hours that we spend trying to fix or to create passwords and remember them. And then mm-hmm. it's horrifying to me. I hate it. <laughs> and, 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 and it kind of threw me off today, right? You know, I'm saying, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to at least tackle three things. So I don't feel so crummy. Cause I've been feeling really, really crummy about, about like being behind. Now, if I, if I want to be compassionate on myself, I, I can look back and say, Oh, I've been doing a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. We've but, taken on a lot yeah, this semester. But, um, but, but those moments where I just can't drag myself to do that extra work is, is sometimes demoralizing and defeating when what I really need to do is say, can I, can I sit down and just do this one thing right now? Mm-hmm. And I usually could. Mm-hmm. But I just... I get into that emotional anxiety and, and whatever. And I, and I just pull back. And I don't know about you, but I know for myself... That I just, I feel really good when that thing that was like over, like in my mind and I knew, you know, it was like hand oh, over, yeah, you over start, my head. You're like running around the house and you're doing more <laughs> stuff. Like once you do that one thing, then you're running around and you want to keep getting right? that buzz of, of accomplishment. It feels good, you know, when I can, t- you know, t- take care of some of the stuff that I know I've been, you know, putting off. And and so I know it's it's weird because, you know, I know I'll be happier. <laughs> Um, but I still feel that, that, that overwhelmingness sometimes. And so, like I said, these, this chapter has been particularly helpful because, you know, here's an example. Mm-hmm. I saw something recently on social media that uh, it was basically, there's a dishwasher and, and the whole thing was that, you know, the person was overwhelmed even thinking of, you know, 
putting the dishes in the dishwasher because they're thinking of having to scrub them every, you know, there's a lot of dishes after Thanksgiving right? and it can seem overwhelming, you know, to like have all these dishes. So what, you know, somebody suggested that person was just load up the dishwasher. Don't worry about all the scrubbing. And if you have to run it, you know, a couple times to get the dishes clean, at least get that step. I think sometimes, you know, it might seem overwhelming when I think of all of the laundry, but is it that really, is it really that hard to, you know, find some dark clothes and stick them in the washing machine and then transfer that to the dryer? If I just tell myself, at least I'm going to get the clothes clean, but I may, you know, I, I will do that step at least so I have something clean to wear, but I'm not going to worry right now if I don't have much energy in me, I'm not going to worry about putting them all away at this time. And it's not that hard if you think about it all in terms of zazen, that that presence, that um, awareness of that present moment. Those black socks, folding of those black socks, uh, becomes like an act of of like tai chi or <laughs> or meditation or mm-hmm. something. If you can if you can work that, that's the game. Yeah. It's but it's hard sometimes because a lot of it comes with self judgment. Mm-hmm. You know. And so if I may, I, I want to just read uh, something that I, I posted to DowSurfers.com. If you want to go on to DowSurfers.com, every once in a while, I'll throw up something on travel and food. You can catch uh, recently, um, I retweeted out why leftover turkey gumbo might be the quintessential American cuisine. I offer a, a little take on turkey gumbo, which I plan to make at midnight tonight. I'm excited. <laughs> and, uh, but I also uh, have posted an ideas and well-being line or a, a post. Sometimes we do poems there. Stacy and I did uh, a poem called Two Evangelists on November 20th. You can check out. But uh, I'm thinking about November 21st, advice for students struggling with online classes. I won't read it all. You can check it out yourself. But uh, it, it fits with this. First, I say immediately and unequivocally forgive yourself for being where you are right now. I think one of the things that slows me down, and I'm even feeling it right now, is I can get caught up in this negative self-talk where I'm beating myself up for for it being 2.30 and I wanted to have five things done. Mm-hmm. So right now I wanted to have five things done and I'm 10% of the way through our podcast. That's, <laughs> that's not a win. Right. But I'm enjoying this conversation with you and the dear listener. So that's a win. And so if I can kind of focus on that and not get regretful about all of the time things. I wasted in the morning mm-hmm. or things that are coming up, that's going to be helpful. It's that unequivocal forgiveness, though. So I cannot be angry at myself. And a lot of my students, I think, start this way. I'm a bad student. I've been doing terrible work. Or I'm a bad mom. I haven't gotten started on the on the you know, getting ready for the Christmas decorations or something. The minute you're in that negative headspace, yeah. ain't no good. Well, and I, one of the lessons that I have learned <laughs> in life is that often, I like to say it's, it's never too late. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is it's not too late. It's not too late for me to then go ahead and like, you know, if I was being, you know, difficult with the kids or whatever. It's not too late for me to stop right there. No, no, no. No, 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 I'm saying right now. Of course. A lot of times we don't though. A lot of times we double down on our. Right. And so I can say, you know what, right now I just need to check myself. Right. And I can apologize for, you know, my, you know, when I'm frustrated or upset or whatever, and then say, Hey, you know, this hasn't been a good way to, to handle this or something, you know, and then move forward from there. And each of like in the, there are times when, um, you know, I don't realize like even sometimes how much like a, a comment that I might say or whatever, uh, that's maybe even a, a comment on somebody's appearance and how much that like is not healthy and it's not good. So I can stop doing that. Right. I learn like, that's not what I want to do. Is that a recent thing? You don't normally do that. Comment on people's appearance. You comment on your own appearance. I do. But so here's one thing. So there was one time when we were walking we were walking into yoga and Augie was wearing shorts and he just hadn't been outside very long. I'm like, Oh, you're, you know, you haven't been outside cause you're, you're, I didn't mean it bad or anything. I'm like, you're off. You're, you know, you're very pale. Uh huh. And then he was it like, it does sound like a thing that, you know, not and, you would say, but I, but I, then I, he, I, I know he the got self-conscious and I was like, yeah. Ooh, you know, that's not at all what I meant. And so I wasn't trying, so I wasn't trying to like, you know, make himself conscious and certainly, you well, know, you worry entered, about... You entered into a world of judgment. 
and but, but invited him into it. No, no, I'm saying, but that, that's, the, that's what it does. Like, so if you're sometimes even saying something nice about somebody can cause them. Right, yeah. right. It, all of a sudden, so I figured it's best to not comment on people's appearance. One of the things, too, is even just, you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's nice when somebody, you know, if they, it might be nice to me, oh, you look good. <laughs> and I always wonder, like, well, what about, Yesterday, <laughs> like you right. look good today. <laughs> right. Like th- there is a judgment that can even you know be implied in a in a compliment, uh, and so I've often. Yeah, so I've... You've lost weight means you were noticing how chunky I was before. Exactly. You know? So I've, I've learned... It's not a hard and fast rule. I've learned yeah. that it's best to, to not make a comment on somebody's appearance, period. They can be taken yeah. in so many ways that I never meant. Well, because... Because judgment goes against this first step, I'm saying, immediately and unequivocally, forgive yourself for where you are right now. So just like, just where are you? That's fine. Number two, have gratitude for your failures. A lot of my students were saying, hey, I am just down, and they were beating themselves up. They failed. Well, the good news for old Malance in class is uh, I'll get you through. If you're ready to roll, if you want to push, push. Week 12, 13, 14 into hyperdrive, we'll do it together. And that's another. You know, lesson from the Tao Te Ching that says that you don't, you know, basically that you get lessons from both your failures and your successes. Well, that's Tao Te Ching 20. In the end, there's really no difference between success and failure since we receive... Lessons from both. Yeah. So, so it's okay that we got there, but we don't, you know, we don't mire... Uh, ourselves, we don't we don't stay in that. We don't productive. wallow. That's what I mean to say. Yeah, yeah. it's not going to be productive. And then I move to step three: focus on the one. Focus on the one. Lao Tzu says the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step because that's the easiest way for us to conceive of getting moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take one step. People know this in the recovery world. One day at a time. It's easier said than done. It seems like a platitude. But if you can if you can get that handled, if you can take things on one bit at a time, that's the key. Tell me more about this, this idea of the one. Well, I think that a lot of times, you know, if you start to make a bunch of your to-do list items, there is probably, uh, there's definitely an importance there. Uh, we sometimes need our whiteboard. And we we have, don't necessarily, I'm glad it's not staring at us. <laughs> living room, but. but if you look at the whiteboard, there's the thing that uh, is probably the most important thing, but also maybe one of the things that you've been putting off because it seems like it's harder to tackle. Yeah. And so I think that by focusing first on what is the most important thing that I do need to get done. And then even though it does seem overwhelming, what is at least one small step that I can take towards the completion of that? one thing Mm. and then you that way you can at least start to make that progress and once you make the one step then it might easily lend itself into the the second step so for instance even with like my my laundry thing if i know i need to get laundry done at least just get the laundry clean and then once i've got the basket there there's a lot of times where i'm like oh here i can just fold this towel real quick and i'll just put that away but if i think of it like i'm going to put everything away then it becomes overwhelming so Again, when I start moving that direction, though, I might find that I have more energy than I realized, right? And I keep knocking down, you know, what and one more task, one more task towards that most important thing, and then you feel better. You'll once you tackle that, you could probably whiz through also a lot of the other items on the list, yeah, because it really was, you know, it does start to consume, you know, your mind and and slows you down on other things because you still feel like there's this burden that is just hanging over you. As Yoda says in The Empire Strikes Back, quote, a Jedi must have the deepest commitment, the most serious mind. This one a long time have I watched. He's talking about Luke Skywalker. All his life he has looked away to the future, to the horizon, never his mind on where he was, hmm, what he was doing. Um, the, the idea here, and of course there's something great about having dreams and all this, it's this idea of the, the Zen master, same thing, focusing on the present thing that you're doing. When you cook, you cook. When you die, you die. When you live, you live. The worst thing you can do in this life is to worry about dying while you're in the midst of joy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not very helpful if you're facing death to be sitting there clawing after those joys that you're right. losing. 
Like, no, you've got to be there where you are. It's like Ecclesiastes says, there's a time for everything under the sun. And the point is to be there during those times. Ecclesiastes is basically saying, you know, love the woman of your youth. Uh, that's, you know, your childhood sweetheart. Like, you know, like enjoy that real romance. Mm-hmm. Enjoy your job, like that job that, you, that you've taken on. Like enjoy those things that are what you're doing and that's how you're going to be happy. Yeah. That's how you're going to be content. You know, the other thing that I recently had heard, and I know we've talked a lot about um, object fixation, but I did hear somebody apply it in a way that I found really interesting. And I think this kind of goes to your whole point with your advice to your students. When, if they start just focusing on their failure and just think, oh, I'm a terrible, miserable person, right? Mm-hmm. That's where they're going to continue to stay and be. Yep. And that's what they're fixating on. But if instead you're like, okay, I messed up there. I'm going to, you know, (laughs) there's a lesson in here somewhere or whatever. Um, But right now what I'm going to focus on, you know, is how am I going to tackle all of the things that I'm, you know, behind in the course? So what is one, can I take one quiz right now that I, you know, that can I at least get that knocked off? But, but focus on whatever you want to accomplish, go there with it, not, the failure that you, you know, because if you just keep thinking about the failures, if you just keep thinking about, oh, like you mentioned, even with dying, right? You're not going to live when you're just focusing on on the, the dying because you're just going to be, that's what you're going to be doing, Yep. <laughs> right? So if you start I- instead putting your attention and your effort and your mind where you want to go, you know, the direction you want to head in, then you're, it's going to be a lot easier to continue down that path. And, and based on what we saw with, with Yoda, it's not, about f- it's not about keeping all of your attention on the future. No. It's about keeping the ship pointing in the, the right direction. That's, that's the key. Yeah, because that's what I had said. My, so, that's how you can surf the Tao in that flow. Right, right, exactly. Number one, immediately and unequivocally forgive yourself for being where you are right now. Two, have gratitude for your failures. Three, focus on the one. But four, Reset your ultimate goal. Now, I'm not saying that everybody needs to reset their ultimate goal, but sometimes the reason that the students are not getting as as much traction as they want is because maybe they're doing what they're doing for their parents and not for themselves. Mm. Maybe the reason they're sluggish is because they're not overjoyed with the process itself. So you don't need to teach a kid who loves skateboarding to, to practice. They right. do it because they love practicing, right. you know? And so they get good at it. Well, if you want to get good at something and you're doing it for somebody else, that's, that's not going to fly. You need to figure out what is it that you're here for. If you're a student, what do you want to be? What do you want to do with this? Mm-hmm. Do you just love it? Then fine, right? But like, what, if it's punishment and reward that are motivating you, you're probably lack, lacking motivation because those aren't very helpful motivators. I think a lot of times, too, there's, there's sometimes... The part where you're like, you want the degree or something and you rush through maybe the learning part of it. And I, I think it is, it's so, there's something really, uh, I don't know, life giving is like the the way I see it or whatever, but there's something really exciting when I do hear a student who is actually enjoying learning and wants to learn a subject. I, I, I hear sometimes some students like, you know, I don't know what to do because there's so many courses I want to take next semester and I can only do, you know, like 19 credits. Well, for me, I was kind of like, how do I get out of this with doing the least amount of work possible and get Mm. done, (laughs) you know? Um, And I I do regret that because then, like, there's many opportunities I missed out on. Well, you miss out and you're not as successful. Yeah. If you enjoy it, you're going to be in a much better spot. You know, so if you are, you know, if you're at the point of learning, then, like, yeah, make the most of it and learn if you're getting this opportunity. Um, you know, if wherever you are in life, but you know, like that's even like if you're on the vacation, be on the vacation yes. and not lamenting that the vacation is going to come to an end. Ugliness is, and this is kind of biblical when I say uh, the Jewish and Christian scriptures, ugliness is when things are out of time. What I mean is like they're not at the right time. So it's so timing matters. Be- beauty is the right word at the right time, hmm. the right food at the right time. It's it's about things being timely. Hmm. It, it, often, this is something I've been 
kind of toying with over the years. Because like, the Bible doesn't have a lot on aesthetics in the way that, that some other traditions do. There, it's there, but it's, it's like... There's Ecclesiastes that talks about there's a time for everything. Well, that's that what I think is one of the most important texts about it, because, because be- beautiful feet are, the, you know, like the feet of the messenger coming, you know, with good news when you need it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's like that's what beauty is. In any case, to find this beauty is to be in that moment. And so my fifth point is to the students, pause at least once each day for silent meditation and or prayer. And I know that students think I'm probably being a hippie about this, and this is just kind of drawn off of what you do with the, the yin stretching on Wednesday nights, but I, I really believe that that's not enough, that what these students need, what I need, what you need, is to be able to practice getting your body to be aware of the immediate moment. And this is where, again, I think it's important to consider drawing from the, uh, the practice of Zazen, the, the Zen meditation technique. You can be a Zen Buddhist in 30 seconds if by that what you mean is somebody who's sitting and is practicing being present and aware of your breath, aware of your posture and all that. But slightly tucking your chin down, stretching your your back straight up to the sky, noticing your breath, sitting in the cross-legged position that's comfortable, folding your hands in your lap. There's a specific way of doing it, but it doesn't matter. To me, it's like if you can calm yourself down and do this and you can start practicing being present just sitting there, then you can be practicing that same thing reading a book or in a class. And once you can get that, it's like you're a master of the universe. Mm. What are you waiting for? You're waiting for permission. You're like, oh, that sounds too woo-woo. No, this is in your best interest. Well, and You don't have to make it all – you don't have to burn incense. You don't have to get all you know, new mm-hmm. agey about it. Just sit and breathe for a second and practice centering yourself. Well, and and for me, one of the things that I have found really helpful is to, yeah, just to stop for a second and take inventory of my body, right? Am I tensing up my shoulders right now? Yes. You know, if so, then relax them, you know, take a deep breath. Like, where am I mentally right now? Did I just, you know, am I getting kind of carried away and frustrated because... I don't know, somebody just cut me off in the car or something like that, you know, you know, then, you know, don't let that like take over my whole day. And so one thing I haven't done, which I really want to, and this will be one of, I'll be due, I'll do it before. It's never too late. Right. Yeah, I hope so. but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start it. I'm going to tell myself I'll start it tomorrow. <laughs> Why tomorrow? I'll do it today, <laughs> this evening, but come up with, um, literally plan a couple of alarms in my day that especially if I know there's a particular time of the day that I find stressful or something. We should do that. But just set an alarm and this is my signal of nothing else but to just take a deep breath, take, you know, inventory of my mental state and my body right now and just breathe a few deep breaths, you know, uh, like you said, 15 minutes on it. And I think we could at least get a start. Well, it's interesting too, because you know, in our work week, we, 15 minute breaks is for every, every four hours of work, you're supposed to take like a 15 minute break. I used to when the smoking was my thing. thing. Smoking helped me to do that. You know, when, yeah, people that smoke, you know, they already know they're going to get up out of their chair. They're going to, you know, stand up, get some fresh air (laughs) and then obviously. Unfreshify it, but breathe. (laughs) Unfreshify it, but they're getting outside. Breathe. You know, they're breathing. Uh, And it is interesting because even your inhalations for your, your cigarette and like, and blowing out, it does. It's yeah. breath work. It really it is, is. and work, it and yeah. it is. There is something that can be um, calming about it, or it can either be calming or also help wake you up a little bit. I know sometimes mm. too, sitting in front of a computer or whatever, it's easy to get tired. But anyway, if I know, I want to start the alarm thing. I know that That's I've probably a good I've idea. taken inventory every once in a while throughout my day, but not regular enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that that helps me because it can it can literally with just that one moment of just being aware of you know where I am in my mental state and things that I can turn even that chunk of a day around and not you know if I'm if I'm upset about something I can just okay. What can I do about it? If I can't do anything about it, let's put that aside or whatever. We'll figure out when we can deal with it. But I don't need this to like take my entire day. Or do I, is this something I actually even need to be worried and upset about? You know, maybe mm-hmm. it's just something I, I can let go. But don't let it 
accidentally get in the way of the way I'm, you know, relating to other people and maybe forgetting to say hi to certain people because I'm just sitting there in my head, you know, as I'm, you know, taking Bendy on a walk or something. I don't know. You mentioned the walks. Let me just wrap up then my little blog post. Number six, exercise and eat well seems easy enough, but getting outside, especially with the COVID when people have been inside and, uh, and, once this is gone, people are still going to be 90% of their lives inside. So you want to be able to force yourself to have those moments. Force yourself is the word that seems very undoubted. But, you know, like, but, but, but build into your day time amongst twigs and leaves and salamanders or whatever you've got you know, <laughs> creeping around. And then find a study buddy. The thing for me with the study buddy is this. It's, it's sometimes processing things with your mouth is very helpful. When you just get caught up and you're going, I am overwhelmed. And if you can just say, I'm overwhelmed, that's helpful. Mm -hmm. And sometimes without our, I mean, me, I I need, I don't know if I need, but I definitely use verbalizing Mm -hmm. to help me process my world. So I need to be able to, to, I feel at least the need to talk talk about it. And so, um, having somebody that's just there and you're saying, all right, well, well what are we going to work on today? You know, otherwise you can just, you can get caught up in five extra hours of, of television and mm-hmm. not really, you know, and not really go anywhere. There's not an accountability buddy <laughs> where they're well, going to, they're going to nag you. It's more of just being able to vocalize. Cause sometimes I, I think one of the things that's slowing everybody down these days is our isolation. Right. What I was going to say, I noticed when, so when I worked in an office environment, Versus then when there was a time when I made a change and worked from home, to me, I really did miss sometimes that (laughs) sort of the energy and I'll say the synergy that comes from just being able to like, you know, discuss something with a coworker, you know, about, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe something I'm, I'm thinking about doing or, you know, for the time when I was, you know, doing alumni relations work, you know, you wanted to like bounce off an event, you know, with, uh, one of the gals that yeah. would play on events and just say, Hey, what do you think about this? You think, you know, an alumni would like this. There was a lot that went into being able to just bounce off ideas. And I think when we're at home and so many people, you know, now with COVID can work from home and do work from home. I mean, you still could create a, a time where you check in with a coworker and just, Hey, what are you working on? You know, maybe mm. it's, maybe it's not daily, but maybe it's a weekly meeting or something, but somebody that, I think that can help, you know, process some of your, your stuff or whatever. And and so don't forget that important piece because I think that we're, we're, so we are at home, we're isolated or whatever, and we might, you know, forget to sort of check in in that way or, and, and, and that can make things so much more daunting, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where, again, you go to Yoda in Empire Strikes Back where he says, do or do not, there is no try. Mm. I never really understood that because I try things and fail. I think I understand now, having read the Tao Te Ching, it's obviously influenced in that the idea. kind of Zen and, and Taoist tradition of saying, like, you know, be like the frog. Like, when you're, when you're going to eat the, the fly, you sit, you wait, and then your, your tongue flips out. Yeah. You grab the fly and you eat it. So you're going to do, and this is, this is the key to this, the metaphor that we're using, is the, is the heron. Mm-hmm. The heron strike, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, then you're acting. And so there isn't, you don't try to act, you just move, you do right. your thing. And and I think one of the things that's nice about having friends in our lives or, or a buddy that's kind of helping us go through things is just having them say, I'm not going to, I'm not here to, to, to haunt you. I'm here to just simply say, don't try to go for a walk, go for a walk. Yeah. And it's not like you should feel bad for not going for a walk. The accountability buddy. <laughs> the study buddy is going to say, you know, this might be a good time for you to actually do that walk instead of sitting here moping about the fact that you didn't do that. Right. You know, the, another important piece about the, you know, the, the don't try. I think it's helpful if we can be more honest with ourselves to really, you know, face the reality of, is this something that I actually can get done today? If somebody wants you to do something else, you know, can can you go shopping and get this for me? And you're like, I tr- I'll try, right? Yeah, don't try. <laughs> I think the more important piece is, is like to say, you know what, I've got these other things going on. If I get that done, then I can do that for you. But uh, you know, I think a realistic view of your day and just saying, I just, this doesn't look like it's going to happen. 
um, and in telling them no is probably more helpful than them holding on to this, you know, hope that really maybe isn't a real hope or you killing yourself over what you don't have time for because you aren't, you know, able or willing to just say, no, I don't, I can't do that right now. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, So I do think that that try thing, whenever we're tempted to say, you know, we'll try, (laughs) I think we should look one step deeper and say, is that really yes or no? Is that really something I can do today? You Mm -hmm. know? Uh, And, and there's also, you know, there's nothing wrong with, Basically saying, you know what? I got all this other stuff done. I can actually go do that now <laughs> for you. I can take care of that. Right. You know? Yeah. I think I think that's the key, right? Are you going to come over to somebody's four o'clock, um, you know, engagement? You could say, I'll try. That's not really helpful for them or for you. No one's happy about that. Right. You'll say, if you say, I've got five things that I'm trying to do. <laughs> Even if we try to, <laughs> there's five things that are that are important for me to get done on Friday that are already on my, my docket. And I think I might be able to knock them out, but those are the things I'm going to start with. So I will definitely come if I, if I get through those things. Right. And, and I I think that's more important than saying, I'll try when you really are just adding it to another list of obligations that you're going to feel guilty about not being able to meet. And it's going to be on the back of your mind this whole time of, you know, as you're trying to get these other things done. Cause you're like, Oh, what time is it? Am I missing it yet? You know? Yeah. Anyway. So now let's go to chapter 63, which is just right next to it, but yeah. uh, it helps us as well. Similar theme. So surf the Tao work without forcing everything. Taste your wine without overanalyzing it. Whether dealing with the great or the small, the many or the few respond to haters with duh. Accomplish difficult feats by starting with simple assignments. Reach lofty goals through a series of little wins. Tackle overwhelming projects one balanced step at a time. Realize a master plan by breaking it down into smaller components. Since the sage doesn't focus on attaining greatness, she ends up attaining greatness. Those who overpromise, underdeliver. Those who underestimate projects are bad at execution. Therefore, the sage never underestimates a project, but is able to deliver results with ease. Yeah, I mean, this is really helpful for business. It definitely fits with the the questions of military tactics. What do you see here, Stacy? That's helpful for life. Well, and I I know we've already touched on all you know some of it or whatever, but the idea that when you've got a bigger thing uh, that you've got to tackle and then breaking it into smaller parts. I think sometimes I'm more tempted to look at my to-do list and do the things that I know I can easily knock out, but that really isn't going to help me feel better about the most important thing that I do need to get done. It can get you started sometimes, (laughs) sometimes. But if that becomes the thing you do that day, I mean, it is true. We'll get ourselves through, like, well, we got this thing done, but we're still waiting to deal with this thing that's been haunting us for two weeks. Right, and I... The amount of energy I have when I actually go for the thing that I know needs to get done that I've been putting off versus, uh, you know, the, the things that seem more manageable <laughs> at the time mm-hmm. and knocking them off my list. I, I I don't have that same energy. I'm still starting to whittle away my energy and then thinking that I've got this bigger thing that I still need to accomplish that already overwhelmed me at, <laughs> from the beginning. So, again, confronting what that is, but not doing it with the mindset of the the big thing but breaking it down into the smaller pieces bite you know bite size things that I can work with here yeah. to actually start to get some of this done that helps me yeah, helps me a lot especially when it comes to my own perfectionism which i think part of that is what also then creates the procrastination in me because i'm yeah when i i'm worried about you know what the perfect version of this is that it's hard for me to sometimes take that first step or, or to do that smaller thing that I can, that I can do. I can always go back and redo something if it needs to be redone, but not ever getting started is usually the sort of that death blow (laughs) to me. Right. (laughs) So. Or saying, you know, I mean, honestly, right. I'm not going to leave the house for this road trip until I do these other five things at home that have 
kind of nothing to do with a road trip, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, like it, maybe there's that fear of stepping out outside. So, you know, you can create tasks sometimes. I'm not saying you do this, but sometimes you do it where you can create tasks that allow you to feel like you're busy so that you don't have to do that other thing that, that you're busy with. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I used to do this in middle school, right? Like I'm too busy combing my hair in the mirror to go get picked on outside in the lunch, lunch area <laughs> by the bullies. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's ways that we fill our time, you know, so that we can also fill that space. Yeah. And I think the other, a couple other things too, um, the part about those who overpromise, underdeliver, and those who underestimate projects are bad at execution. There were, there was a time when, uh, so I would do a lot of just contract work and I would get paid by the hour, but I would, it would be like per project. And so sometimes, like sometimes it was sort of this expectation that this project will, you know, this is like a hundred dollar project. Right. And I would sometimes even put in the more hours than that. But, you know, I wasn't, I realized sometimes I wasn't doing myself any favors by not, um, facing the reality that this is going to take me a lot longer than and and than what the person who is employing me thinks it will take. Mm. So I'm not doing myself or the people that come after me any favors by not admitting the reality of what this takes for this to look like this. This is actually what this takes. And I started to resent those those jobs mm-hmm. because I felt like I wasn't getting, you know, paid for all of the work that I'm doing. Mm. I think that being able to really face the reality of how much how much time a project is actually going to take yeah and and plan for it budget it in your week your week right can you say even if even if other people aren't going to catch that i mean like let me give you an example like i just want to have people listening think oh i'm just going to demand that i get all four hours of prep for my one hour of lecture mm-hmm now that's my world, right? Like I've got mm-hmm. people that report to me and, and I think that we're all messed up in many ways on how we think about hourly wages when it comes to certain jobs. But there are times when you will, I'm going to bounce this off you, you tell me if I'm wrong. There are times when somebody will say, well, this is, you know, what, this is what it takes to change this uh, brake pad. Well, it might take you three hours. It doesn't necessarily mean, and I'm just talking not to like the young employees, that you go in and demand. Sometimes mm. people say, oh, you're good. you demand what your hours are, kind of. But there's probably somebody who can do that in 20 minutes. So you might want to take the, the apprenticeship for your own self and do it in that two hours. Get paid as if it's an hour. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, I've known a lot of people, especially, in this, especially in this economy. Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter... They're going to either demand their full pay or, yeah. or turn down well, jobs how, yeah. because it's not enough. I'm not going to work that because... Well, okay, I guess that's true, but do you want to be in this industry or not, right? Do right. you want to learn the ropes? And so I think it's important to say to be honest with yourself and even to employers or contractors as to how fast you could get something done, but don't necessarily think that your life is calibrated to how fast it ought to be done. Cause you might just be slow. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, cause like I can, like I personally can, can, can knock out like, um, uh, like a, a, a history of, of religions, uh, semester, uh, a lot faster than some people might. Right. Um, but, my whole life's gone into it. So, you know, like thinking of it in terms of the hour only is a problem, but also um, overestimating or underestimating how much it's going to take for me to do the job well is a problem. So these are two separate things. You know what I'm saying? Like be aware of what this commitment you're taking on is going to be. And sometimes feel free to not be indignant about what that pay is going to be, at least in the right. starting right. So starting point. That's there, all. I'm there saying. might be there might be a time when yeah, even though I know it's going to take me two times longer, I'm still going to want to do that hundred dollar project. And you probably still should. D- yeah, depends. But yes, so but that eventually you can be competitive. A, yeah. But once it gets to a point, I, I need I need to know that this is what it's going to take for me to do it. Right. And just because they say it's going to take these hours, I'm not doing myself any favors if I know it takes me longer. Right. Mm. Or if I don't think that the project is going to be worth the pay that I'm going to get from the time that I do have to put in. So if I really, like, if I don't think it's worth, you know, maybe eight hours or whatever to do the $100 job, right, then I need to confront that right away. Yeah. 
And that's the point. Don't resent it. Don't let people down. Underestimating something is a disaster. Overpromising is a disaster. Right. That's what this chapter is talking about. Right. What else is in this chapter? Uh, in the first part, it does talk about uh, taste your wine without overanalyzing it. Yeah, that's a fun one. And, and, and it's, uh, the, the very first line is that classic way, woo, way, which is act by not acting. That's how we're rendering this, for the most part, surf the Tao. So yes. surf the Tao, in this case, just means way, woo, way. It's that classic line. And then, um, I, you know, then you've got a similar sounding uh, way, woo, way, which is taste, don't taste. So different characters, but it sounds similar, different accentuation. But yeah, how do you taste? Taste, but not tasting. But not taste. And it's not clear that everybody's on the same page with this one, mm-hmm. translation-wise. I think it's pretty clear that there's, there are people who overanalyze things, and they don't enjoy the thing. So I want you to imagine going out with some very wealthy people, and everybody's really snooty about the, uh, the wine, and everybody understands the wine, Okay. And that's fun. You know, you're allowed to do that if, that's, if that floats your boat. But there is a way in which by, by making this performance happen mm-hmm. where I'm like trying to, I'm trying to learn how to enjoy my wine instead of actually enjoying the wine, that's a problem. So you should taste the oaky and butteriness, but don't be sitting there spending all your time being a critic or a judge of the wine as mm-hmm. if it's a performance to, to boost your ego as opposed to enjoy and, the flavor. Right, and then you miss out on the, the, the gift of what it is that you are tasting, you know, no matter what it is, whatever food yeah. <laughs> that you're enjoying. There is one last thing I do want to bring up, and this is actually something from the previous chapter, sorry for going out of order, but it says the micromanagers don't manage to manage. Yeah. And I think that's I'm an proud Im- of us for that line. That's a great line. That's an important <laughs> piece, I think, because when you are staring down a whole bunch of things that need to get done, a couple things. <laughs> like for instance, if I if if there's a bunch of housework, right? And then I put various family members on the various tasks. And if all I'm doing is standing over everybody's shoulders to make sure that they are doing <laughs> the cleaning right, mm-hmm. I'm no longer helping in the cleaning and I'm actually getting in the way of some of the stuff that needs to you know, happen. So what would be better is you know, allowing everybody to do their jobs. And then you know, if you go through and like, you know, this isn't clean or something, then maybe something has to get redone. But to be sitting there watching to make sure that everybody... It's debilitating. It is. If, you, you know, if you've got somebody always over your shoulder... <sighs> <laughs> I'm particularly bad at well, this no, when it I mean, comes to dishes. I don't know if it's you, it's in general, it's in life. I mean, it, I'm saying it, it'll definitely take away... It'll take the wind out of anybody's sails. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, anybody in a business... Uh, Keep yeah. going, but like the, well, in the being micromanaged will slow world, you down. The business world it's it's particularly problematic because what happens is is that you start looking over everybody else's work, and so you don't actually move forward on the things, and they'll start to pile up the things that you alone can handle, right? That you won't be able to get to those when you're paying attention or making everybody go through you, because then you've got mm-hmm. all of these other work things that you have to accomplish and there's just not enough time in the day sometimes to get all of that (laughs) done on top of the assignments that only you can do. Now, I mean, part of this is putting the right people in the right places, right? Yeah, you got to trust the people that are acting. And so those, you know, if you have any control over those that are the actors in this, you know, the whole job situation, then if somebody isn't getting their job done, maybe you need to find somebody you know, that, that is, Mm -hmm. or the other thing can be too sometimes is if somebody doesn't seem to be able to execute very well at a certain thing, maybe find something else that they can work on that doesn't require the micromanaging Yeah, because you're probably going to have to redo their work anyway. Having two or three people on the same silly project uh, in the same area of that project is never a win. That's never going to help you. I think it, yeah, I think there's a point at which maybe you can get ideas and bounce ideas off of each other, but then from there, let people you know run with their their assignments, their tasks, right to to get this whole thing pulled together. But if you have to sit there and overlook every single 
step or detail, that is overwhelming. That takes a whole lot of time. And that's why, friends, our, our favorite image from all this is that bird image. It's that waiting bird. It's that bird that sits there and waits for the little fishies to come by, and it conserves its energy, and it waits, and it's dexterous, and it steps so gently from one little spot to the next, making each move intentional, each move elegant because it's efficient, not because it's desperate about saving, but because it's only doing exactly what it needs to do right there in the moment. And when you rest in that kind of space, then you can strike like the heron. You can make that move. You can make that quick dart for the fish, whatever you need to sustain yourself. And then you go back to the resting state. That's the ideal. Is it easy? No. We're running around flailing about all the time in our lives. And that takes a lot of energy too, right? Well, the flailing about <laughs> takes a lot of energy. That's the yeah, point. That's, yeah. yeah. That'll be the whole point of... of, of you of, only have so much energy. Yeah. You only have so much time. Your vital so energy is getting wasted. to yeah. be a, a, efficient with that in order to be productive, in order to accomplish what you need to. So that's the deal. It's It's... it's acting like that great blue heron who's waiting for the the fish conserving your energy taking life on one step at a time one big project is going to be broken down into the tasks all of this is important but there are a couple things that we found in the midst of these chapters that are also important that maybe you know kind of deserve their own little mention here at the end and i've got one why don't you start with yours though well even when you were mentioning about the the heron striking um the the thought I was thinking here is deal with trouble before it arises. And what I was thinking with that is you don't want to start looking for food when you're already starving because you won't have the energy to be able to do it. So if you anticipate being hungry and knowing that you're going to have to do something about that, do it while you still have the energy to. And so I think sometimes that, you know, sort of Again, dealing with the trouble before it arises. So when it comes to like car maintenance or house maintenance and things like that, when, you know, if we aren't, if we're starting to hear the breaks, we probably already costed ourselves a few hundred extra dollars at least. I think you're saying a stitch in time saves nine. (laughs) Something like that. But it's like the, where you could have just maybe replaced the brake pads. Now you're going to need new, you know. Rotors and or a new face because you went down, you know, the the hill there from the crater lake with <laughs> with poor braking on, on your truck, yeah, right? Like you, right. you know, it's it's right. I knew we knew we we already thought that the brakes were kind of acting up in the truck, and I knew we were going to be going to where it was steep, and I knew I didn't want to begin that journey without getting our brakes checked, right? So we quote wasted a day somewhere. Mm-hmm in Eastern Oregon. Right. Getting our brakes done. Which and is exactly what we should have done. Exactly. Yeah. And it saved time. Yeah. Well, yeah. and a lot of pain. And hassle. Hassle. Who knows? We could have had, you know, demolished trucks. We could have been in the hospital, right? If we yeah. didn't have the right stuff. So, yeah. So that, we think, you know, we're losing a day of our our trip, but... We wouldn't have had the rest of the trip if we didn't take that day and, mm. and lose it for a moment. And it's in those moments, too, that they provide interesting opportunities. Like even just sometimes when if we're going to the grocery store and we have that time where we're waiting in line, that's a good time to do some of that, you know, that checking in with yourself stuff, right? You have an opportunity. You're, you're a captive audience. You have nowhere to go. I, however, <laughs> use that as an opportunity to always check in on Prince Andrew to see what, up sh- what shenanigans <laughs> he's been up to. I never actually read it, but I always get my news. All those, all the those tabloids, things. yes. Yeah. But I don't read them. I just look at them on the cover. Just look at the cover. Mine is a little bit different, but it's it's related, and that is that line about superstition. Would you read it so I get it exactly right? Yeah, with no superstitions, it's easy to make decisions. That was a kind of poetic license move on our part. I think it's justified by the text, but not a lot of I don't think anybody else really reads it in terms of superstitions. We'll hear omens and augury. Or signs. Yeah, the reason I think about this is because I think if I'm putting myself into the historical context and trying to get that feeling and that meaning out, the historical context is often, uh, you know, during the warring states period in ancient China or, you know, 
Old Testament Hebrew life, Israel or something, or or America's founding revolutionary moves. It's scary to go into battle, you know, uh, to lead, to make decisions, to buy or sell stock, to merger or not to merger, to marry or not to marry, to go to this college or to move to that state. People tend to freeze up because they're looking for augury. They're looking for the lots to be drawn. They, they want a magic eight ball to help them decide. And partly this is because we want this thing on the outside of us. We want some external factor to be able to make the decision for us. That's why sometimes just using a magic eight ball can be helpful, not because it's prophetic, but because it just helps you to get through that impasse. I've got a lot of friends who need magic eight balls. Sometimes, baby, you need a magic eight ball. Right When you're at the grocery store, it could take you an extra half hour looking at different pastas. And it's good that you look at the different ingredients of the pasta. There's no <laughs> doubt you don't want to have like you know garbage. At the same time, that idea of having to just make sure you've got the perfect pasta can take away from your actual ability to eat pasta. If you get home too late, we end up eating Taco Bell. And we've done that before, yeah. right? Like we're, we're by overly worrying about the minutia of an act – or worrying about getting it right, as if there's only one right answer, this is problematic. This is problematic for your relationships. Don't try to find, this is what I talk about with, with romance, don't try to, in the book Sexy, don't try to find the one. Find somebody that you can make the one and make them the one. And we go back to this idea, who's the one? The one isn't this, this fated person that is going to be discovered through your appearance on The Bachelorette. Or through, uh, or through the perfect algorithms in, in like Match.com or something. Mm-hmm. No, um, those are helpful sometimes. But knowing what your values are, being deliberate, waiting and waiting and waiting. And then, by the way, in relationships, being present with those relationships, right? If you're having a hard time dating, don't be trying to, you know, spend all your energy everywhere and go on all these dates and never really locking into to a real meaningful conversation. Right. When you're going to coffee with somebody, be there with that person. Don't be talking about your ex. Don't be worried about marriage and babies. Just, I mean, those are important questions to ask. But you, you. Well, first you need to figure out whether you want, you enjoy being around this person. Right. right? Like, can this person be the one for you? mm -hmm. In that, are they they compatible? And uh, we don't ask that question enough. We think we're asking that question when we're looking for superstitious answers. And that's why I really, I really like our, our move here. We could well, be wrong, but it still fits with the overall flow. You there's, know. there's something else too, because I, I remember a while back when we were, uh, I was talking with Mana, our, mm-hmm. essentially our adopted daughter. We've talked mm-hmm. about her a few times on the show. Mm-hmm. So when I was talking with Mana, she was mentioning how um, sneezing, was a, her, like her grandma considered it a bad omen. And mm-hmm. I see, like I just looked up, says the bad omen associated with sneezing before going out is usually held in India, by the way. Mm. But sometimes, like, if you're going to sneeze right before you go out, then sometimes people will even rethink going out because it's like, oh, something bad's going to happen, mm-hmm. so don't go out. So then you don't get what you need to done, right? right. Because you're, like, it, that superstition keeps you mm. from going about taking that step in your day, what you, you know, need to accomplish. Or you're in love but your parents are against interracial dating. And this is the other thing I'm thinking about with superstitions, right? Mm. You've got these taboos. Mm. Cultural. Taboos are guidelines for life that we have as a culture that are detached from the rationale. So we forgot five, six generations ago, we did something some particular way. And now we don't remember why we do it that way. Yeah. So sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes... Sometimes the great genius of life is to be able to break free. And that is, friends, why I think this fits so nicely with our overall agenda with Protect Your Noggin, which is sometimes cults and bad religions keep you from doing exactly what's going to make your life easy. What's easy for you might be really, really easy. It might be really close, but it's behind a closed door. And that door was closed by superstition, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So you could live till you're 50. I think singleness is great. And and romance and marriage can be a headache, so I make no mistake. But if you want to be in a relationship, 
One of the reasons you might not be in a relationship is because of the false superstitions of your family that have been bequeathed to you. You're looking for a certain kind of attractiveness. You're looking for a certain kind of wealth. You're looking for a certain kind of popularity. If you look for somebody that you actually connect with and love, it's sometimes a lot easier than you realize. Mm-hmm. What's, what's getting in the way is you're looking for the one. You're looking for the one that you can tell your parents is the one or your work <laughs> right. people, whatever. And, and I've seen those people. I've seen people find somebody who's acceptable to everybody else, and it's a disaster. Case in point... Charles and Diana, mm. right? So mm. Diana is... Yeah, we've been recently watching, yeah, watching The, the Crown. Crown. Perfectly, perfectly a win for society, for South Africa, for Australia, for the British people, for the royal family themselves at first. But not for Charles himself. And then it led to disaster. Yeah. It led to death. It led to sorrow. Yeah. So if you want to play that game, what makes you think that you're so much better than the royal family in England, that you're going to be able to evade that superstition instead of going what's with what's natural, mm-hmm. right? What feels right? What flows well? Well, don't let the kids think that they should think what they think they should think, and don't let the kids feel what they feel. Well, why not? If it didn't help the royals, why is it going to help you <laughs> in Massachusetts yeah. or in Nebraska which, or in San Diego? Which this brings me to another point that I think is important, and this one is, a, is mentioned in Chapter 64, uh, where it talks about the sage, and it says she's open-minded, not dogmatic. And one of the things about the open-mindedness is you are able to break yourself free of the superstitions, right? It's when you can get rid of your biases that you have that constrain your thinking and you try to, you know, it, it gets in the way of sometimes doing what is the right thing, yeah. right? I like, the, this, I like the, the right language decision. of setting them aside or giving them a nap because it's always very difficult to get rid of the biases. But yeah, shedding that for a moment and seeing them with what you were talking about as it can, consonant with the beginner's mind. Yeah, we, men- we mentioned that because that was something that was definitely talked about um, and very important in my death doula training is the idea that, you know, when I'm going to come into a situation, I do it with a beginner's mind. I I don't already have my own preconceived judgments and things like that that I'm bringing into this situation take it everything at sort of face value mm. of what's going on and mm. then by being that presence of being able to you know come into a situation and not clutter it with some of my own thoughts and ideas and just sort of taking it for what it is it helps you to so much more easily sort of see you know, what is actually going on and you can address the real issues and the real problems. If you, you know, if I'm sitting there saying, oh, well, you know, she's angry for this reason and I'm assigning all of the, you know, the reasons for why people are, are acting certain ways, I'm not probably going to get to the root of the problem. I'm just going to, it's going to be confirmation bias of whatever, you know, whatever I think I'm smart enough to figure out, (laughs) you know, but by actually putting aside some of my own, uh, thoughts and so when you are able to sort of come at a problem sort of with that beginner's mind mm-hmm. then you are able to then sort of see it with a, a a clarity that strips away so many layers to something that we add that actually makes it more cloudy and harder to to figure out does that, yeah. does that make sense it does it does so I guess what you're saying is when you get to this clarity that comes from breaking things down, it's not just atomistic. It's not just, the, it's not just some strategy. It's saying that, that we experience as finite beings every moment, momentarily. And um, when we get distracted by all the clutter that's all the other stuff, the past, present, or past and the future rather than the present, we... we we lose our we lose our focus, mm-hmm. and therefore we get frantic, and we lose our attention to the thing that's going to move us forward, and and therefore we're mired in many ways. But friends, that's not what we're after for you. And I know it's hard. It's hard for us. We're in the right in the midst of it. This is a tough time of year sometimes to kind of grind through. Hopefully, we're we're coming upon a little bit of respite, even if it's not with as many family members as we'd like. As we're recording, we're kind of coming up uh, up up to December. Mm-hmm. Normally, this would be a time when there's all sorts of stuff, 
But friends, maybe that would have maybe that was a time last year or the year before where you were stressing out for different reasons. Maybe now take a take a little moment to breathe deep, breathe deep in faith. Figure out what what your what your big goals are. Reach out to those people you need to reach out to, mm-hmm. um, even if it's electronic. But maybe this is this is exactly the year when you need to fi- figure out what what's going on. You know, what you want to be doing for 2021. Right. <laughs> One right. step at a time. I mean, there was a lot of things that were taken, you know, from us in yeah. 2020. You know, that there is a lot of various losses of different kinds. You know, yeah. sometimes the loss of just being able, well, to celebrate the holidays with family members, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's just being able to comfort a loved one in the hospital. Uh, sometimes it's being able to just go into work, yeah. <laughs> you know? And and so I think when you have something like a year like this, it is such an opportunity to to then you know you know what matters right what what's the one yeah. <laughs> what's the one thing that actually does yeah. matter um, in life and and yeah. what you care about and let's you know and then look at what are the things that you're doing all of the time that you spend in life is it how much of it is going towards what is important and how much time have we maybe spent on something that didn't matter as much, you know, that's not going to be, you know, the, the old, something that we care about at the end of our life, (laughs) you know, is when, when it's all, when you're at the end of your life, are you going to be, you know, feeling good about what you, what you did, what you experienced or what your life was like? There's a time now. It's not too yeah. late. Not There's too a time late. now to start taking that step in each any direction that you would like to see yourself go into and not just feel like you're just constrained by past, you know, patterns of behavior. Right. Yeah. I know it's easier said than done. Yeah. But it's that single step. It's that one little one thing. What what's the one little thing that you can maybe do uh to help in that direction and start there. And that leads us down the road towards Deep peace upon peace. Uh, thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said there wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? That's because you found this letter low too much.